So how are you? I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing? Pretty fine. Uh, what have you been working on? I mean, of the things that you can talk about. So this week I've been working on, and actually last week, we've redesigned ThoughtBot.com. And this week specifically, uh, I'm working on a services page. So the offering that ThoughtBot does. So you know things what? Like- this is a great thing to talk about this episode. Um, <laughs> I do have a lot of questions since I was not super involved in the... Pro- I mean, I was kind of, but not really. So I have questions. Have many about, questions. I have a lot of questions. About the For, redesign or the services page? No, no, about <laughs> the redesign. Uh, people don't know how the services page look like, but they can actually see the new design. Wait, well, are we... Hopefully by the wait, time this is released, the services page will be out. Yes, and also I don't think we announced it yet, right? So we're 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 <laughs> it's a scoop. We'll have announced it. It's yeah. a scoop in this episode. You heard it here first, hopefully. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, well, it's live, so it is live. There's still a bunch of bugs though. Like there's one um, missing translation. So <laughs> I know there's yeah. a bunch of other bugs. Well, let's talk about this. Why did we need to redesign instead of taking what we had before and just improving on it? Yeah, so that's a really good question. Um, and normally, I would I would lean to evolving and iterating a design. The the last thoughtbot.com design had gone through multiple iterations of of. <laughs> I don't want to call it redesign. Um, <laughs> yeah, of, it it had went through multiple iterations. It had seen multiple designers touch it and. Also, developers go over it, and and frankly, it was from the the you know first vision of what it was supposed to be, at least the homepage and several of the other pages. It it was a far cry from what it was first supposed to be. Um, so the design didn't really evolve well, and and the iterations took away from what the design should have been instead of adding to it. The other reason was that I had done a bunch of interviews with clients or potential clients that ended up hiring another company for whatever reason. And one of the things that was mostly evident was that we weren't, we're, we're all expert designers and developers at ThoughtBot. We're, we're like, I would say senior level if, if we went anywhere else. And most of those senior level people aren't the friendliest of people. And, and I guess we have a reputation for being very friendly. And I would hope that like everyone at ThoughtBot is is nice to talk to and fun to work with, and we wanted that to come through as well. So balancing the you know expert designers and developers with the friendliness and uh, playfulness of the you know personalities at ThoughtBot. Yeah. Um, so it was that combination, and we thought that the previous design didn't do that very well. It, it was more leaning towards expert and. Um, it was, you know, not friendly enough, not, not friendly. And it, it, like, that was, that was specifically like, I wasn't, when I was doing these interviews, I wasn't talking about thoughtbot.com. I was talking more about their, their overall like sales experience from start to finish and, and what their, you know, user journey was about all of that. And, you know, one of the things that they kept on saying was, oh, like, yeah, on, on the phone calls, you guys were really friendly. And like, it, it was very evident that like, our attitude and our personalities were coming through in the sales calls and every interaction they had with us, but it wasn't coming through in the design from the start. 
I see. And, and so, like, those were the two big reasons. The the design kind of the iterations that the design took were were making the design worse, uh, and the overall feeling that we wanted for thoughtbot.com wasn't going in the right direction. Okay. So it was mostly like an effort to make the brand of the website match the sort of like uh, the personality that, of the personality people that and image. Okay. Yeah. But I, I thought there was also like um, changes in the information architecture of the website. Yep. There were, um, how, that, how does that, that came out of the interviews too, or, and just somewhat common sense. So the majority of the way that ThoughtBot makes its money, like I would say like 80 to 90% is through our consulting services. And the old site had in the main navigation, there were something like six or seven links and two of them were for the consulting. So one of them was linking to case studies and the other was linking to a way to contact us, right? To hopefully get more consulting work. Other than that, there were books and uh, I'm trying to th- remember some of the pot, like we had podcasts as one of the main. So it was, it was taking away from why we wanted people to be viewing the ThoughtBot site. And it was also not oriented towards why people might be hiring ThoughtBot for our jobs to be done. So the way that I looked at it is we, we get hired for multiple reasons. And, and, and a lot of those are because of the work outside of the consulting work. So the podcasts that we have, our playbook, our blog posts, the open source work and the products that we build. But for all of that, the, the company doesn't make, especially like open source and these podcasts, like we did in the blog, we don't, we don't make any money <laughs> off of most of those. Right. Yeah. And the money that we do make off of them, it's because they were just marketing for our consulting work. Yeah. So one of the thing, one of the goals was to consolidate those down. So we have now a tools page where our products are and our open source work is. And th- there the idea is, you know, you know, if you're looking for ThoughtBot's open source or product, like they're, they're doing the same job. It just happens that, you know, one of them you're paying for and one of them you're not. The same thing with all of the learn stuff. So we, we combined Upcase on our site with the books, with the podcasts, um, and we don't have the blog there, but it should be there. And all of that is, you know, us trying to teach or provide, you know, learning to our community. You know, it just so happens that Upcase costs probably the most, um, and it's a monthly, you know, monthly cost as opposed to books, which are a one-off cost and uh, a little less expensive. And then there's the the podcasts and the blog, which are both free. So, like, it's it's, you know, as you go down the page, you, you should be th- like, hopefully, there's like a price range that that matches you know, or a solution for, for what that, that user is looking for. And, and so combining all of those and then looking to see where, what the holes were in the website as well. So right now we, we have case studies up there and we've had case studies for a little while now, but we never talked about what we actually do. I don't know if it's because sometimes it's hard for us to talk about what we do, but we don't have any kinds of services or, or like, Hey, we, we do X, Y, and Z. And that was one of the things that we wanted to make sure came clear. So that's what I'm working on now. 
Um, so the, the primary navigation is going to go from a bunch of, of links that go to the learn and the tools to mostly our case studies, eventually our services, our team pages. So who, who you know, who's on, the, who's at ThoughtBot and who who you'll be working with and hopefully friendly faces. And then, you know, link to contact us. So, so we're, we're narrowing down to what I envision the funnel to be, to, to be somewhere along the lines of, hey, what does ThoughtBot do? Oh, they do this thing. Great. How do I know they do it really well? They're going to the case study and seeing how we work. And then from there, they're being like, oh, I live in Stockholm and I want to see what the Stockholm team looks like. And so they can go to the Stockholm team. And then from there, they can contact us. So that's yeah. what I envision as the funnel. I don't, uh, we, we're, we're putting in some analytics too to test that, to test that assumption so that we can see how people go through the site and, and if that assumption is correct. Yeah, that's, uh, that, that answers my question. I actually like the foundation of this new design. I find that there are a lot of small things that kind of irk me, but I think there's already too many people working on it right now that I feel like I'm not ready to jump in yet. I want it to cool down or cool off a little bit. And then I can actually, <laughs> if those things are not picked up, then I would pick them up, you know, just like alignment things or like some line heights in some areas, like, you know, small things that I think, I'm not sure if everyone would agree, but I would still open the PR and see if. Uh, I don't see why there's like, I would say either like create a card in Trello and, and put, start doing work on it. And there's, there's no reason why you can't start. Uh, I've been very active in making sure that everything in Trello is, so I, I think we've talked about Trello in, in previous podcasts we're, we're using Trello to kind of coordinate between there are multiple designers and a couple developers working on the site right now. And, and I've been fairly cognizant of who's working on it and what they're working on and making sure that they're putting it in Trello and making sure that everyone who is working on it is working on different things. Yeah. How so, have we managed like having multiple designers working on it? Is there like some sort of agreed on like style guide or because I see that some pages are done entirely like by one person. So it would be like this page is done by this person and this page is done by this person. And so are we aiming like to make these pages look as if they were done by the same person or are we okay having some sort of like a little bit of personality into these pages so that when you look at this page, it kind of feels like something that Kyle would do or something that Reda would do. Or like how how have has has this been a thing that has been discussed or it's not something that's been discussed. I think it's been something that's come naturally that you know uh our one of our designers in Boston, Cole, started actually even before that, another one of our designers, Connie, started redesigning it. Cole took it f uh from her and because she used got booked and he was an apprentice at the time. And he took the primary lead on, on doing a lot of the initial design work on, on some of the pages that we just talked about. And from there, it, it's been, people have, have taken on the pages that either they think need to be done or Connie has come back and she's been doing a lot of work on the hero section of both our homepage and our case study page, just because she thought that they could be better. Um, yeah. and so she, she's been working a lot on that. 
I've taken the services page where I haven't really done any actual visual design on the project yet. I've been mostly doing implementation and overseeing everything and making sure that like, you know, the concerns that you had were like, there are too many designers that, you know, everyone's working really well together and, you know, we're not stepping on each other's toes. Uh, as far as the style, I think, you know, the, the style that Cole started with has been adopted really well by Connie and myself and, um, Mike, another designer in Boston. Um, and we're starting to create, you know, our own flavor in that style and it still works. So my thought there is like, as long as it works within the brand that he has set up, that we should be able to have variation within that. And actually one of the designers in Denver, Rachel has, has started working on a, guide for running design sprints. So taking the work that I did in the design sprint repo and, and putting it in a nicer frame. And she, she took the style that, that Cole was using and um, ran with it and, and, and kind of made it her own too. So other than that, it's all of us are putting our designs into a red pen and, and throwing them up and um, whoever is available to comment on the design work, you know, is doing so. And, and so you know, it's not, we're not doing design in the dark and, and everyone's seeing everyone else's work. So I'm sure there's like a huge cross pollination of ideas and what's going on. And, and hopefully, you know, there's a balance between people having their own spin on things and then people, you know, staying within the same brand, same so, site. So uh, this underlying style like how is it defined is it a set of fonts and font sizes and colors and components or or is it like more granular than that so like you have to so if you're using a list this is the type of list that it should be or if you're using a uh, a section with multiple photos this is the kind of so like what kind of level of granularity we're talking about here so yeah, I would say that there's there's a couple a couple, you know, rules that that Cole had set up. He he set up, you know, a layout style with a left photo and a right content. He set up some some styles for type. My gut there is like follow some of them and you don't need to follow all of them and there's ways to break those and still stay within the brand. We don't have necessarily like a brand guide right now and I don't necessarily know if we need one as long as you know, the people involved are staying involved. Um, that might change and we might get to a point where we need a brand guideline for, for someone to jump into the project and feel confident about making changes. But right now it's it's using the same typeface, same type style, same layout and, and breaking potentially one or, or multiple of those to, you know, create your own kind of design. Yeah, that answers my question. Because like one thing I noticed is that I can't help but notice some small differences in how people treat some things. Maybe because I am not too involved, so I can look at things with a little bit of uh, distance. Yeah. Like bullet points, for instance, uh, alignment. People align them differently. I know <laughs> you align, you you don't indent them, and uh, most of the other places they're indented. Do you think this is something that down the road it's going to be like corrected so that like we use the same for instance indentation indentation style for all bullet points or is that something like that that's in the area of like that's up to the designer if <laughs> if that fits their layout or not 
so I'm, I'm guessing that once I put this, so the, the design I'm doing right now is in sketch. Uh, it's not in code. And I imagine yeah. once I put it in code, those, those small differences w- won't be, you know, as evident because I, I'll just use the regular bullet styles for, um, the site that we already have set up and I'll, I'll be using, you know, the same line height. I'm sure there's probably a little bit of a difference between what I have in sketch and, and what's on the site right now. Yeah. I, I think, you know, the way that we built the site is, is important. So we, we used a lot of components for CSS and so making sure that, you know, when each one of these is built, that the customization of each one of those components isn't crazy, like, you know, changing a bull, the, the standard bullet list that we have everywhere else on the site doesn't make sense um, to go hanging when everyone where else on the site, they're, they're indented. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. That's, um, that, that's, <laughs> that's fair enough, I guess. Uh, do you still use sketch to, um, to sort of like work on like visual design as opposed to just throw the stuff together and see how like you want to make it work on the page? It certainly depends on the type of design I'm tackling. Since the design for this page and a lot of the site is like marketing and, and highly visual, I, I'm jumping in sketch first. Usually when I'm tackling an app, I start with HTML and, and there'll be times where I'll jump between sketch and Photoshop, depending on which tool I think will help me design the best. Cause I do think best visually uh, with design, but like there I, I'm laying a foundation with HTML and CSS and here I, I'm purely designing in sketch uh, because of how visual it is and yeah no i i I still do that actually i get the benefit of actually start like working on a graphic editor first before committing to writing code because like i i realized that at some point like i think two years ago i used to be like you know what i don't need sketch i will just go in and do it but over time, I realized that I get too stuck on some things that are technical and that doesn't, that slows me down and I end up not like being totally focused on the visual part of things. So I think it's good to start in sketch, do things quickly, uh, see like what works and what doesn't. And then it doesn't have to be pixel perfect, as you said, like it's fine if some things are off or whatever, but once you get that, I, I feel good about this, then you, you implement it. And then once you implement it, you will start noticing that some things, some decisions you made do not look as good in the final result. <laughs> so you have to make some tweak, like some, uh, some tweaks basically. And you do those right in code. I mean, some people might prefer to go back to the graphic editor and do it there, but I feel like that's, that's a, kind of like a waste of time. Like the entire point of implementing your own design is that you can do these small tweaks directly in code without going back and forth. Yeah, I, I enjoy going back and forth just because I have it ingrained in me that like I'll know when when I can solve the problem easily in the browser or when I can solve the problem easiest in a graphic editor. And so like if, if there's, if it's a small issue like line height or the way the types are rendering and, and I need to change that in the web, I'm doing that in the web because I won't have the same clarity, I guess. I won't see the, the actual rendering in either sketch or Photoshop, but like if it's a, a big layout issue, I need 
a lot of the times I'll need to think about that outside of the browser um, in, in a graphical editor because I, it's easier for me to push things around there. Yeah, but um, tweaks I'm talking about is mostly like decimal point like things. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, those are easier yeah. to do in the browser. Yeah. I'm not talking like big changes. <laughs> it's more like uh, this font could be a little bit. Um, it's it's crazy the amount of time I spend doing that. Uh, a lot of like especially on like side projects where like time is not is not as precious. Like when we're doing client work, sometimes we we try to focus more on having a minute an mvp and we typically leave the polish to the end of the project but like on side projects like i have no timeline i can so i might finish like a feature in like one weekend and spend like three months just like nudging pixels here and there <laughs> and yeah it happened i i did a side project where i make a like a mac app for testing internet speed and i added like a graph view and i think the implementing it wasn't really the hard part but getting all the contrast and colors and animations right that took me uh, i don't know like three months of uh you know like i didn't work on it every evening but i did work on it a decent amount amount of time and it's insane like the the length that uh a lot of designers are ready to go uh in order to make their um uh, Design's perfect. I'm not saying that's <laughs> healthy. It's not because you ship a lot less and it, yeah. You, I mean, there's always a balance that. between <laughs> like. I mean, that's what we're dealing with now with the website, right? Like, it's live, but we haven't announced it to anyone yet. It, there's always a balance between shipping and you know making sure that you have everything perfect the way that you want it, especially with designers. And striking the right chord on that balance yeah. is, is super important, I think. Right, right. And it, and it totally depends on what you're designing, right? Like um, shipping early for an app is a lot easier um, because you want to get that feedback. Whereas yeah. shipping something that's like highly polished and visual is like you want to make sure that every <laughs> everything's in the right place. Right. And I think the thing I, I keep having always some sort of side project is basically to do this stuff. Like, that's the entire point. <laughs> like, I my goal is not to to make money or, in fact, I am spending more money on this stuff, uh, <laughs> on the side stuff, because I'm paying for APIs and stuff and I don't make as much. Uh, but it's like just having that thing where, like, you're you're just like, you don't you don't want to do something that's, too like uh ambitious you just want to like you know tweak these pixels here or mm, this color is like slightly off and just do that <laughs> for like hours on end i think that's that has a relaxing effect on me uh recently it, it's um it's yeah it's it's more like designing as a hobby uh, <laughs> right um good so i was gonna change the topic but if you have another about? question like what what you were working on and what you've been interested in oh i'm actually i've been doing a lot of small things and i, I think i i developed this ability to multitask not not doing the same thing at the same time but i guess with having a lot of side projects and also using my inbook time on multiple things i kind of got used to having different things and still keeping all of them moving forward I think I'm pretty happy with that. Uh, at some point I was like, mm, I shouldn't probably have more than one project going on because I might not be able to. Uh, and I think the key to doing this is to keep things small and not super ambitious. I think the moment you, you start like, uh, like, you know, 
add in complicated features or trying to do more than like or trying to bite more than you can chew then you typically end up in in this cycle of like you get discouraged like you get blocked by something you get discouraged you, you abandon that project and it just keeps going that way so i think so far like there are very few projects that i abandoned and i think i'm happy about that like even the projects that i started a long time ago and i haven't been able to ship i still have them somewhere and sometimes i open them i update them so that one day if i decide to go back and, and resume working on them it would be a lot easier yeah recently i've been doing a lot of things that one of the things i can talk about is um so i've i've added like more features to chromatic which is the color picker that that thoughtbot released um uh, i don't know like a few months ago that was mostly in the beginning, it was just like to find color names because we typically need to name our colors in SAS or iOS so that we can reuse them uh, later. And I wrote an article about it, which we will link to in the show notes. And uh, yeah, I added uh, a very frequently requested feature, which is uh, ability to copy the uh, color value. So hacks or RGB or you know, like the color value, not just the color name. So now mm -hmm. I can do both, like copy the color name and the value. Yeah, so that, that's been fun. Uh, a lot of the things I've been doing involve a lot of development as well, which is quite different from what I guess you've been doing, working at a bigger team <laughs> together on something. I mean, it's like quite the opposite of that, is doing these solo projects. And it has it has its own charm i guess uh <laughs> especially if you do them in a thoughtbot you get still like the the help of other developers and designers so you're not really working alone on it but at the same time like you you can you have that sort of like uh freedom to to do things at your own pace and to define your own goals and i think that's that's not bad that's not a bad thing well so I'm really interested in to hear more about how you context switch because before we jumped on the call, you were saying you're in a really good groove with writing and I know you've been doing some sales, which is something else that we could talk about, but like, how do you context switch from going from working on chromatic to working on a blog post to jumping on a sales call to jumping on a call with me to record tentative? Like, is it? Do you have like any tricks there? Like, yes. What? How do you? How do you context switch from one thing to the next? I have a very easy trick, which actually is the key to making this work. When I am commuting to work in the morning, I don't have a clear idea of what I will be doing that day. Especially if I don't have client work. If I have client work, uh, you know that you will be working about like on these stories or a number of stories. So that that kind of like removes this from the equation. But when you're not on client work. I basically come to the office and I organize things in the order of which one of these things I would be able to make the most progress on today and maybe ship something in that specific thing. And if, for instance, like if, if a sales is about to close or I feel like if I take an action now that would have bigger impact on the sales card, then I just go and do it immediately. If I feel like this is going to be slow and even if I send this now, it's probably not going to be read until later due to time zones or whatever. So I go to the next thing. So I, I bump that down in the list of things 
And basically what I'm trying to say is that if I know that something is going to take me a lot of time without being able to make something significant uh, on that thing, then I just bump it down in the list. And, and by like, by having like these multiple things that you can work on, you always end up with one that, and, and, and like a number of hours spent on this will maximize the productivity you will have. So like for today, I was not planning to write the blog post, but of all the things I have going on, this is the closest to being shipped. So if I focus on it one afternoon, I'll be able to finish it and I'll put it uh, on a PR for, so that people can review it tomorrow. And that would also free me tomorrow to do something else that's probably gonna I would have more impact uh, during that day. So yeah, this is typically how, and I do that also like for my side projects. Like if I have a few of them, and sometimes like I would think I have an hour or two this evening. Uh, what is the thing that would benefit most from this one hour? I, I guess this is the only trick. <laughs> how do you keep track of the projects you're running? Is it all in your head or do you like write it down or is there Trello. an app? Trello? I use Trello and yeah, I use, I have some personal Trello boards that I organize some of this. And I also use uh, uh, like uh, just to-do lists, to-do lists that I discard by the end of the, of the day. I don't, I typically don't keep a to-do list for more than a day. So when I come in in the morning, like here's the list of things I can work on. I look at them. I pick what I need to work on. And by the end of the day, I just delete it. I, I use Apple Notes, which they added the to-do list thing recently. Before, I just used to use Trello lists because you can also create to-do lists in, in, in any card on Trello. But I just pick what like the lowest friction thing. I don't want to spend a lot of time organizing this because at the end, you end up spending more time organizing stuff than actually uh, working on it. Right. So yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's typically how, how I do it. And, um, sometimes like I would break this rule, uh, because of urgency, especially when it comes to sales or hiring, or sometimes like you're not the only person who is involved, so you have to adapt. But most of the time I still follow this rule and it, it works pretty well for me because I always feel like, uh, I'm doing something, uh, useful. Awesome. That, I like all of that. It's interesting to see like all of the ways that, that we use Trello and to hear about the ways that Trello is being used. We should get them to, to sponsor the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> We've talked a lot about Trello and <laughs> Apple Notes. Um, yeah. They should both sponsor this, this show. Yeah, I, I use Trello just because it's... Um, I think I, I like the Kanban board approach and... Um, and I guess this, this like I like the you know, like having those things visually in columns. I'm pretty sure there are other services that do that, but Trello is the go-to service, mm -hmm. I guess. Yeah, I, I think the the value in Trello is is just from the amount of flexibility it gives you just by having the lists of things, and you can create as many lists and put as many cards inside of those lists as possible. And yeah, um, you're in charge of what those lists mean right yeah um, and the only thing that i typically do in trello that a lot of people might not do is that i don't use trello as a starting point if i it's like i do use it for like client projects or projects involving a team but for my personal trello boards i use them as a place to to check in once i am done with work not the other way around because 
the thing is like sometimes i do look at, at them and see like all right so what can i work on but that's usually a bad sign if i have to go at a trello board to know what i need to work on it's it feels more like in that case it feels like i'm not entirely sure how best i can use my time uh whether company time or or you know personal time but i use it more like i did this so let's go to trello move this card and organize a little bit the up the what's coming up next based on my feelings about what I've done today and then I'll probably not even need to look at it because I know what I put in there so so yeah I don't use it to guide my work I use it to track my work if that makes any sense which is a kind of a little bit of both when we work as a team like it's both to guide us and also to track what we've been doing right I agree with looking at you know what you've done at the end of the day like one of the things that I continuously do is uh, I've been using omnifocus for the things that I need to get done and making sure that my I use flags to to figure out what I need to do when um making sure that whatever is flagged is either deferred till tomorrow or deferred till another day when I do think I'll be able to get it done at the end of the day and 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 it's like clearing my head before I go to sleep kind of thing. It also like I'll check to see what's coming up for the next day and do the same thing there. Like if I do want to work on that thing the next day, then I'll, you know, keep it there. Or if I don't, I'll move it to another day. Sounds like basically the same thing that you're doing. Yeah. I always found OmniFocus says UI a bit too overwhelming. Like it's um I don't know. <laughs> I think, yeah, I've been using it for a few months now since we had that tools conversation. I like switched like a month after that. I have like this ADD with getting things done tools, but I've been using OmniFocus <laughs> for a while now. I have it set up so that it works really well for me. And I like, I wouldn't suggest OmniFocus to anyone unless they already know how they want to work. Cause it's like, I compare it to Vim, where unless you know how you want to work in Vim, you're you're, you're just going to be lost, right? And yeah. the same thing with OmniFocus. Like there, you could just spend so much time fiddling around with the controls in OmniFocus, where it doesn't make sense for you to use OmniFocus. <laughs> yep. So that like there are better to do lists if if you don't have a concrete way of doing things or or you don't have a specific you know way you want to do things. So I, I think after using all of the other tools, I finally come to a conclusion of like this is how I want to get things done. Uh, this is how I want to keep track of my lists. And OmniFocus is the one tool that like has all of the features to do that. It also has a ton of features that I don't use. And just like Vim, like there are things in Vim, <laughs> there are lots of things. I probably know like 20% of Vim, uh, of what I can do in Vim. And, but the, like, that's, that's all I really need to know. Right. I think like, if you, if you know that, I, I don't think you can say I know 20%. <laughs> okay. I know uh, 5%. Because, <laughs> because like there's, there's the unknown unknowns and you can't <laughs> basically you can't give a number. I can say, I know uh, more than zero percent of Vim, I can totally be sure that that's correct. <laughs> but there's so much stuff that you wouldn't even know that you didn't know. Right. I, I saw someone tweeting about a Twitter client in Vim, or so that you can see your tweets in Vim and write tweets in Vim. It's a plugin, I think. 
uh, I, I, I don't know. I just had to say this because I found it a little bit over the top. You, you should never have to leave Vim. Soon there's going to be a browser built into Vim. Yep. Uh, Emacs have been there already, but uh, this is another discussion, I guess. <laughs> a bad idea? <laughs> uh, no. Nah, yeah, I guess people like to, like whenever they like some environment, they want to use that for everything. Or whenever they like a tool, they want to use it for everything. And it's a common thing. Like people who would know, for instance, uh, I don't know, Photoshop, they would like to use Photoshop for everything, including web design and all of that. Or like, yeah, it's just a, a, a nature of, uh, you know, the, the the proverbial hammer, <laughs> a nail. When you know yeah, how to use a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Yeah, exactly. That sort of thing. Cool. I think it was a good discussion. I learned a lot of things about about our own site. Which is great. <laughs> um, <laughs> Hopefully that's useful for everyone else. <laughs> yeah, uh, of course. Uh, cool. I hope. I mean, uh, yeah. It was nice talking for... to you. Yeah, absolutely. Likewise. This is episode 25. Uh, you can see our show notes at tentative.fm slash 25. You can tweet at us. D- send off all of your tweets. Tentative FM at tentative FM. Yeah, one word. Email us at hosts at tentative.fm. And uh, if you like the show, you know, please rate us on iTunes. Uh, if you don't like something like the way we sound or the sort of topics we talk about, please let us know. I think uh, we need that sort of feedback. Uh, and if you do like them, please let your friends know so that they listen to the show. And if you don't like both of us, then sorry, we can't do much about it. <laughs> like we are who we are and you are who you are. Okay. See you later. (laughs) See ya. Bye.